Hey, Dirty Money Moves listeners, I've got a podcast recommendation for you. Live Laugh Larceny is a podcast where the worlds of true crime and comedy intersect, but in a way that doesn't have to toe the line of ethics, because hosts, Amanda and Trevin, don't cover dark murder cases. Instead, they cover cases like the one where two old men got into a fight at Costco after one cut in front of the other in a free sample line. Listen, I'm not going to lie. I relate to this because those Costco samples are almost worth a felony assault conviction. Almost. You guys, I share your obsession with learning about true crime cases, even those involving the most heinous details. That said, a nice palate cleanser isn't a bad thing, and that's exactly the reason I love listening to Live Laugh Larceny. I laugh out loud in my car while I'm listening to Amanda and Trevin detail a ridiculously petty crime in a really dramatic tone. I'm talking moody music, colorful sound effects, and all. Imagine an investigation discovery audio documentary on something as brutal as a stolen lawn ornament. Each week on Live Laugh Larceny, you'll hear two petty crime stories along with some killer facts. I'm telling you, this parody podcast is the perfect break from all the dark true crime podcasts you're currently binging. And guess what? I'm about to play a sample of Live Laugh Larceny for you right now. So, while you're listening, make sure to hit subscribe or follow so you don't miss out on the perfect palate-cleansing satire podcast that will definitely make you LOL. Please enjoy this preview of Live Laugh Larceny. Hey there, this is Trevin of Live Laugh Larceny. Instead of just a clip, we will actually be sharing a full episode of our show. This will be our 88th episode entitled A Pair of Classless Chaps that we released on November 30th. In this episode, we share our weekly dreadful dilemmas play an informative round of top five, and then move on to stories. Amanda shares a scammer story that we feel is right at home with Dirty Money Moves, and I tell one of my most ridiculous crimes to date. So please, enjoy our episode, follow our show, and find us on social media, especially if you have a petty crime story of your own you want to share. Live Laugh Larceny discusses true petty crimes that may be disturbing to some. Or could be easy listening to all you psychopaths out there. All stories are based on actual events. Eh, but details may vary. Listener discretion is not advised. Welcome to Live Laugh Larceny, when you hold in a fart for so long that you literally poop a diamond. This is Trevin. And I'm Amanda. Oh my god. See, if I could poop diamonds, then pooping my pants in public wouldn't be such a bad fear of mine. That's true. Like, you just sit there and you hear... Yeah, who wants a diamond? <laughs> Don't mind where it's coming from. <laughs> you go to a bar and you're like, I want the top shelf Long Island. And they're like, oh, that's going to be 30 bucks. And you're like, <laughs> and you're like, actually, I can't afford that. <laughs> I've been holding this one in for quite some time. <laughs> oh, my God, Trevin. Do you have a dreadful dilemma this week? I have a dreadful dilemma. Uh-huh. And this is something that I've been dealing with for a little bit. It's funny how I seem to say that a lot. I'm like, oh, this is something I've been working out. And you're like, good God, what's going on with you? But you know how it works. <laughs> I know exactly. The brain has works. a lot going yes. on. Recently, for the, like the last four months, I've been obsessed with a certain song. And it's really kind of helped me realize how much my mind has changed. They say that you're a different person every like five years or something like that. Six oh, years. do they? Yeah, just because of the way that your opinions change and your likes and interests. Okay. So... I would like to first read to you some lyrics to songs that I loved as a teen or in my early 20s. Nice. Yes. So this is a song called Let's Do This Now by the band Korn. Some of the lyrics are, break you now. Mercy, I cannot allow. Through your face, my fist will plow. Watching as your blood pours down. Let's do this now. Let's not do this now, please. <laughs> oh, my God. There's also a song called Sick by Slipknot that I also listened to as a kid. And the lyrics go, 
You're leaving me suspect. I'm leaving you grotesque. Feels like a burn from which you never learn. Cause and effect, you jealous ass. Press your face against the glass. Suffer. Whoa. (laughs) So the reason why I bring those lyrics up are because that's what I thought was very deep back then. And I was like, that's deep. That's angry. And, you know, I'm not angry like that anymore. But I was also just getting into my aggressive stage because I was so passive as a kid. And then I'm back to being passive. But I'm aggressive when I need to be. Yeah. Anyway. The point is, those songs don't resonate with me anymore. I listen to that and I'm like, that's kind of cheesy and silly to me. Suffer. I, <laughs> I think that like a really honest acoustic track by, you know, a singer songwriter who's talking about going through a divorce. hits way harder and it resonates with me way more. Yeah. One of those heavy songs. So anyway, lately I have been listening to 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton. Ooh, Dolly. And that song slaps so hard (laughs) and not only does it slap but the lyrics get me angry they just get me there because the whole song is just about being stuck in corporate america yeah and so i want to share with you some lyrics from nine to five and just explain how much they resonate with me now ah tell me work in nine to five what a way to make a living barely getting by It's all taken and no given. And then another line, nine to five. Yeah, they got you where they want you. There's a better life and you think about it, don't you? It's a rich man's game, no matter what they call it. And you spend your life putting money in his wallet. (gasps) Dolly, my girl. And it's a happy little poppy song about yeah, she's like, like working nine to yeah. five. She's yeah. like, wait, stumble <laughs> to the kitchen, pour myself a glass of ambition. And like, it's really sad. Like it's a, yeah, it's happy and everything, but it's talking about how she's a woman and how like the man's always going to kind of take advantage of her and how every morning she has to fuel up with coffee and stretch and just like force herself to come back to life just to go do another job. Yeah. And it's like my scope of what I used to think about, because I was like chronically going through a breakup as a kid, like from the ages of like 17 to 26 i was like constantly going through a breakup of some sort yeah that's not an issue of mine anymore but lately my battle has just been with corporate america and like how do i continue going on in life knowing that i have to slave for something just to afford to experience life exactly but yeah nine to five and that right before the chorus hits there's like this hard-ass tom hit where it's like working nine to five and every time that drum hits i'm like fuck yeah you're like yeah nine to five (laughs) i just want to bust everything and so that song just really hits for me and i think if there was a movie about my life and about my struggles with corporate america you know how they take happy songs and they make them sound really slow and dark for the movie trailers yeah mine would just be like working nine to five (laughs) (laughs) just like all these weird noises and because those lyrics just fit my tone so well even though it was put in such a happy way i know because honestly i don't know all the lyrics to that song i literally just know the main chorus but Mm -hmm. it's such a happy and upbeat song but (laughs) with you reading those lyrics it's like ooh, god yeah talking about being a corporate slave or just having to put your life in the hands of somebody with more money all the time just to afford to be a citizen in the world yeah that is more sad and powerful than i want to smash your face into many pieces and (laughs) and drink the blood or something you know and also dolly parton is just such a good human being she is from everything every interview every fact about her i'm just like you know what Dolly, I love you. Yeah, get it, Dolly. Get it, girl. But she just seems so cool. She does. Well, damn. That is a really funny flashback to your past. I appreciate Mm -hmm. you sharing those crazy lyrics with us all. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I also have a dreadful dilemma. So I don't get out much, right? And that all by itself could be its own dreadful dilemma, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's not. So when I do get out and I'm driving on the highways here in Kansas City, I have noticed this for quite a while now. 
but they never cease to catch me off guard. I, I'm sure you've seen them, but have you seen all the variety of different billboards in Kansas City for Jungle Law? Oh, God, I love Jungle Law. <laughs> Okay, for those of you who don't live in Kansas City, or for those of you who do, I mean, you can kind of laugh along with us, and I will post pictures online of these billboards. If you don't know who Jungle Law is, you need the visuals. Yes. So there is a law firm here in Kansas City called Jungle Law, and basically they give me, if you've seen Breaking Bad, it kind of gives me the Better Call Saul marketing tactic mm -hmm. where in Breaking Bad he was very corny and like would have this gigantic patriotic flag behind him in his commercials and just very weird and kind of eye grabbing. Well, Jungle Law kind of has that, but they basically have the most ridiculous billboards that they just like want to draw your attention to. Mm -hmm. So, for example, here's one. It is in a jungle setting in a background mm -hmm. with the main man who is the lawyer with the long hair long blonde hair i mean the hair probably is like shoulder length maybe a little bit longer blonde hair and then there's this big bold lettering that says in a tight squeeze dui jungle law and the lawyer is being squeezed by a gigantic green anaconda cartoon <laughs> god <laughs> i'm showing you i haven't seen right that now. one actual this one is another great example same man with the long blonde hair he is swinging from a marijuana vine <laughs> with a cheetah <laughs> behind him lurking and it says possession charge Jungle law. Those are just some examples, okay? I've seen so many other ones yeah. other than these, though. There's the one where it looks like he's in the middle of, like, a river and he's standing on top of a giant scorpion. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that one. Mm -hmm. So, basically, the reason why these are so dreadful, though, is that... Again, like I was saying, I don't get out much. And when I do, and I'm trying to drive, these are very distracting. They are super distracting. Like, I need to be focusing on the road. I need to be focusing on these raged-out drivers around me. And instead, I am just enthralled with these bizarre jungle law billboards. Yeah, it makes me wonder if... Like he does law and he has a friend that just happens to be fun with Photoshop because it, it's just so campy with the Photoshop. I just have to imagine that he's throwing somebody a bone or it's a side hobby or something. I don't know. I really don't. And I've also seen the Jungle Law billboards where there's a woman like I don't know if she's his partner, like she's also a lawyer. But every time the woman is in one, they're like much more serious. The harassment one. Yeah. It's like a woman standing with her arms crossed and she's like harassed at work. Hashtag me too. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> why do you get to be squeezed by an anaconda or swinging from marijuana vines? But hers is just like arms crossed. Dude, if I'm a part of this, I want to be in a funny Photoshop billboard too. Same. Exactly. Like what in the world? And this guy, he's just a character all on his own with his little Fabio hair and everything. Yeah, he seems really goofy. And I've actually seen him in person because he was defending... I don't even know who or what it was, but I had to go to court for, I think it was, I got pulled over for a speeding ticket and I didn't have my insurance card on me, but I had insurance. So they were like, look, if you mm. go and you prove that you have insurance, blah, 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 blah. It was something like that. And I was waiting there and I saw that guy, that lawyer, and I was just like, who in the actual hell is this character? And then shortly after is when I saw my first Jungle Law billboard. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I saw that dude in court. Like, what? That'd be cool if he showed up to court in like a safari outfit. <laughs> no, he was definitely just in a suit. Damn. But the way that he carried himself, it wasn't just the hair. It was like the way that he carried himself and the way his facial expressions were. I knew this guy is a fucking character. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I had to share about the billboard thing. Yeah, they are very distracting. Fun, funny fact. When I first started dating Emily, she had met my parents and my dad asked what she did and she said she was a graphic designer and i don't know how i don't know how the words got crossed here 
But my dad thought that they had some passing conversation where he thought that Emily had told him that she works for Jungle Law. So my dad actually thought for the longest time that she was a designer for Jungle Law, which would be awesome to tell people. Oh, my God. And so, like, eventually he had said something and he was like, oh, like, at, uh, for you at Jungle Law, like, months later, maybe even a year later. She was like, what? And then he was like, you work for Jungle Law, right? She was like, no, I I don't, but like sign me up. Shoot, I would do photoshopping for their weird billboards. That would be so fun. Yeah, you like doing weird stuff, so that would be great. Oh my God, that's really random and so funny. Yeah. So we are going to be doing a round of top five this week. One, two, Yes, we are. And it's your week. Okay, so with the weather where we live changing and not for the better, in my opinion, getting colder and colder, making the skin on my knuckles crack and bleed as I was sharing with you earlier today. I hate it. I hate it. I decided that I wanted to share the snowiest places on earth. All year round or just the snowiest it gets? I think it's the snowiest that it gets. Okay. So do you have any guesses? Does Antarctica count? Yeah, Antarctica counts. Antarctica, Greenland. I don't know geography very well. Me neither, dude. (laughs) Me neither. I won't put you on the spot. I'm pretty sure if I remember right, they said Greenland gets more snow. Iceland doesn't actually get as snowy, but I'm probably... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that too. Like, come on with the name. Oh, Canada. Canada is on here. Antarctica is not, weirdly. You would think so. but hmm. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you the five snowiest places on Earth. And then I have their average annual snowfall for each place. But I think I'm only going to share that for the first one. Because honestly, who cares, right? Right. Okay, so number five on the list is... Aleska, Alaska, which is Aleska, very, Alaska. Very I just get a task it, huh? Aleska, Alaska. Number four is Alta Ski Area in Utah. So already these two are in the U.S. Okay, yeah. Number three is Mount Fidelity Glacier National Park in Canada. Yeah, boy. Number two is Nisko, Japan. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, drum roll, please, for the snowiest place in the world. Sugar, 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 sugar. <laughs> Paradise Ranger Station, Mount Rainier in Washington. Washington, huh? Weird. So, just to put this into perspective, Paradise Ranger Station, Mount Rainier, Washington, gets an average annual snowfall of 56.3 feet which is 17 meters for those who are listening in other countries. The right countries. 56.3 feet of snow. That's a lot of feet. That's too much. That's so crazy that a lot of them stay around the United States and then we're just like, oh, Japan. Then we're back to the States again. I know. I know. And I was reading a lot about the Nisko Japan, which is like the number two on the list. Mm -hmm. And, And shit gets crazy. Shit gets real crazy over there with all this snow. I guess you never hear about Japan with snow, you know? I know. It really caught me off guard. But yeah, I looked up multiple lists on this because you get varying lists and some of them were written back in the day. But consistently, every single list that I found had the top three on their list. So I just felt like this one was the most accurate and it was on lifescience.com. But yeah, I've just been thinking about the cold a lot lately. And I was like, okay, I've done the hottest places. I've done the lowest places on earth. Mm -hmm. I've done all these things. And I'm like, what about the snowiest? And I just recently watched a documentary about the avalanche that happened at Mount Everest. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's on Netflix. I think it was. It was so good, by the way. I would highly recommend. I don't have the name of it right on top of my head here, but I think that also got me in the mindset because when you think of snow, yeah, it seems a little bit like if you have to drive in it, it's annoying kind of thing and blah, blah, blah. But it can be very 
very destructive, too. Yeah, that's true. And for people in the Midwest, I mean, we don't really get a crap ton of snow. So when I really think about it as like a natural disaster, it really kind of freaks me out. Because you're cold and you're in a disaster. Yeah, that would freak me out, too. It's kind of like when I covered that beer flood story a couple weeks ago with Kim. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, beer's fun. But to have like that much rushing at you would be scary. But snow is just the same. And on top of that, you just get really cold. Exactly. And that's what I'm not here for. No. And like going snow blind when all you see is white. That freaks me out too. When you can't see much difference in your surroundings. Exactly. The movie The Lodge, there's a scene where the stepmom tries to leave the lodge and she just goes walking and she kind of ends up going in a huge circle because everything's so white. She doesn't know where she's going. Oh my God. Yeah, that's horror movie vibes right there. Yeah. Well, that was lovely. Thank you. Maybe on 420 (laughs) you can do the highest places on earth. (laughs) Good one. So for today, I want to do the top five most common phobias. Ooh, okay. Do you have a guess or any too? Oh, man. I actually do have some guesses. I think claustrophobia will probably be on there. Maybe arachnophobia, fear of spiders. You know what's so funny is we were just talking about how I have a fear of pooping my pants in public at the beginning of this episode, too. So that's really funny you're doing phobias. I wonder what the name of that is. We- <laughs> Baby phobia. <laughs> Diaper phobia. We did one episode where we talked about Edgar Allan Poe, how he had that fear of the color yellow. Oh, that was not Poe. That was oh, it wasn't? Uh, Hitchcock. Oh, Hitchcock. Yes, that's right. That's right. Because he hated eggs. Yeah, yeah. And so I know there's like a bunch of weird phobias like that, but those are the only two that's coming to my mind right now. Okay, so those are actually in the top 10, but not the top five. Really? Arachnophobia, fear of spiders is number six. Oh. And claustrophobia is number eight. Hmm. Fear of enclosed spaces for anybody who didn't already know. So number five is nosophobia. The fear of developing a disease Oh, okay. Oh, and I'm also coming from Talkspace.com. Ooh, okay, Talkspace. Which explains why I've been getting a lot of weird therapy pop-ups on my Facebook lately. (laughs) Oh, no. That makes sense. (laughs) It's all coming back to me now. Yes. So although similar to hypochondria, nosophobia is anxiety about minor symptoms you fear are a more serious condition. Okay. Number four, which I suffer by, thanatophobia. The fear of death. Oh, shit. Okay. I get that, though. Even though it's not one of my top fears, I think it's just because I think life goes on at some point in some way. I don't know. But (laughs) it's so unknown. It's Mm -hmm. so unknown. So I get why that's a fear. Yeah, it says thanatophobia, the fear of death, is not shocking, but when it takes over day-to-day activities and causes extreme anxiety that prevents seemingly normal activities and behavior, it becomes a serious problem. Mm. Do you feel like it does that for you? Like, has it affected like day to day activities for you ever? Mm, it kind of has. I mean, that's why I never went on vacations because I didn't want to die on vacation. That's right. Okay. It's Damn. something I think about a lot. I mean, that's why I don't want to get a tattoo because I'm afraid I'm going to be on the table. Right before they put me on the ground, they're going to say, God, that tattoo sucks. <laughs> and it will be the final insult. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to say this one right. Addy Chip. Phobia, atichophobia. Oh my lord! Ooh. It's a t y c h i phobia. I don't know how to say. It. Wow, that's horrible. Who came up with that name? Hate it. <laughs> they all are, are come up by different people. It is the fear of failure. Ooh, I feel that one in my heart, in my chest, in my soul, in my aura. <laughs> yes, it says it can be very debilitating for people, and it can make them unable to progress in life. Ooh. Ooh, that one resonates with me hard. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Number two is tripophobia, the fear of circle clusters, which somebody just talked to me about this and I can't remember who it was. Yes, I have heard of this, but wow, number two on the list? Although this common phobia could come off silly at first, many people have a very real struggle with tripophobia. There are many theories of what causes tripophobia, most of which point toward human evolution. The image of circle clusters are reminiscent of things we as humans have feared in the past, like infectious diseases and dangerous animals like bees. Okay. Whoa. I feel like 
I don't know if it got brought up on our show back when we were talking about that other weird yellow phobia. Maybe not, but I have also recently heard it somewhere. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I did not realize it would be that high on the list, though. Yeah, I think it's maybe one of those things that people are afraid of and they can't really name it. Like, I don't know what this is. Like, why is this scary? Like, oh, it's a circle cluster. I don't get it. Super weird. Okay. And then number one, which you're going to be like, why didn't I think of this? I guess it's just called social phobias, the fear of social interactions. It doesn't get a goofy ass name like all the other ones. (laughs) Honestly, thank you. Because we are stressing out enough about being social. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that the, what was it? The one that's like the fear of words being the same way forward and backwards. And that word is the phobia. That's such a No, and even the phobia that's a fear of long words has Mm -hmm. the longest name. And it's like, come on now. That's some dark humor. That is some dark, dark humor for sure. But okay, that makes complete sense to me that that's number one. Yeah, social interactions. I feel it. I feel it too. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that list with us all. No problem. I found it very interesting. I did too. And I really thought that claustrophobia at least would have made the top five. That's honestly crazy to me. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we have made our way to story time. It's time to tell some narrative stories. So I am first this week, Mm -hmm. and I've been talking this story up to you as we are getting ready to record, just because I thought I was going to go another direction, and when I found this story, it just completely captivated me and inspired me, and just another one of those stories that I had a really, really good time writing it. So here we go. You can learn a lot about someone on your first date. I know for me personally, I discovered a bunch about my now husband on our first date. I found out that he liked to play pool, that he ordered jalapenos on his burgers, and that at the time, he was still texting his ex-girlfriend. Obviously, things ended up working out for us later down the road, and ultimately, I was able to look past the fact that he ate spicy burgers. However, some first date impressions are really hard to overlook. Maybe your date talks with food in their mouth, has an obnoxious laugh, or won't stop talking about their belly button. Seriously, you gotta see this thing. Either of these examples are sure to negatively impact conversations and lead to a bad first impression. In general, first dates can be pretty complicated. You have to pick out an outfit that makes you look desirable, but is also stretchy enough to sprint away if needed. It's also tough to know what information to share about yourself on date number one, especially when all you can think about is politics, religion, prenups, and future children. Then, there's the big moment when the check comes. Do you pretend you have something in your eye so you're unable to see that money is due? Do you half-ass to pretend to reach towards the check as your date picks it up, both knowing that you never intended to pay it? Oh, you're so kind. Or do you dare pay for your own meal? Depending on how all these situations turn out, you may have varying farewells to a first date. It could lead to a fake promise for another date, or continue on to a happy ending. But what happens when you take a petty criminal on a first date? Well, you're about to find out. Marjorie Moon was a beautiful and smart woman who was thriving in both her career and motherhood. But living in California in 2016, she was struggling with dating. She was in a place in her life where she wanted a more mature relationship, so she decided to make a Plenty of Fish dating account. Scrolling through the site, she found a mixed bag of possible suitors. There were many men who posted selfies from low and unflattering angles, and others with shirtless selfies that would make anyone's grandma blush. Do you like my muscular nipples? Just when Marjorie was about to get off the app, she saw him. 
Paul Guadalupe Gonzalez was a gorgeous 45-year-old man. He was what Marjorie pictured if George Clooney and Sylvester Stallone were to have a baby together. Whoa, I can't believe this thing came out of me. Not only was he handsome, but it turns out the pair had a lot in common. The two began messaging back and forth, sharing pictures of their kids and discussing their love of good food. Every time Marjorie messaged with Paul, she grew more and more excited to meet him in person. Finally, the two set a date, and Paul asked Marjorie to accompany him at a swanky restaurant in Los Angeles. She could hardly contain her joy. The night of their first date came, and Marjorie anxiously entered the fine dining establishment. There, waiting at the bar in a fitted and casual suit, was Paul. Hello, darling. She let out a huge sigh of relief as he looked just like his photos on his dating profile. <sighs> there was immediate chemistry between the couple as they flirted at their table. Your feet look nice tonight. Marjorie could tell that Paul wanted the night to be special as he ordered an expensive bottle of wine to get the evening started. When it came to order their entrees, Marjorie was smitten and impressed. Paul ordered a fancy chicken dish, along with four lobster tails, as if it was no big deal at all. She knew that they had bonded over delicious food, and she could see now that he meant every word of that. The night was going better than Marjorie could have ever expected, as Paul ordered them a souffle for dessert. As she watched him savor each bite of the sweet treat, Oh, fuck, this is good! She fantasized about what it might be like to kiss his luscious lips. Snapping her out of her fantasy land, Paul interrupted Marjorie's thoughts, telling her that he needed to step away for a moment to make a phone call. I think my phone's ringing. I'll be right back. Marjorie watched Paul walk away from their table with hearts in her eyes. What a first date, she thought dreamily to herself. Marjorie mentally wandered back to Fantasyland for a while, until she realized that she had been sitting alone at the table for quite some time. As it grew later and later, Marjorie began to grow concerned about her date. Eventually, too much time had passed, and Marjorie politely called over her waiter. I'm sorry, hello? Uh, have you by chance seen where my date went? The waiter looked solemn as he nervously clasped his hands together. I'm sorry, miss, but he actually left. Marjorie's jaw flopped open as her cheeks began to flush pink. She embarrassingly fumbled through her purse and grabbed her credit card to hand to the waiter. I just want to go home, she said, fighting back tears. Marjorie paid the $250 bill and slowly made her way back to her car. All alone. As it turns out, this was not the only time Paul Guadalupe Gonzalez dined and dashed from a lavish date. Between May of 2016 and April of 2018, he had similar experiences with at least eight other women who came forward to the police and local media. Two restaurants are also victims of Paul because the women asked out on the dates were unable to pay for the expensive dinner bills. His excuses for stepping away from his dates varied from needing to use the restroom, leaving his phone charger in his car, and even needing to call his aunt, who was very sick. According to the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office, Paul was also caught on video in 2016, leaving without paying his bill at a hair salon. In the footage, you can see Paul leaving the salon with wet dye still in his hair and wearing the salon's smock. He told the hairstylist that he needed to get his iPad from his car and then proceeded to die and dash. Overall, Paul was accused of cheating his dates out of more than $950 and faced a maximum penalty of 13 years in prison. He ultimately pleaded no contest to three misdemeanor counts of defrauding an innkeeper by non-payment and one misdemeanor count of petty theft. Paul was sentenced to 120 days in county jail and three years probation. 
He was also ordered to pay restitution, stay 100 yards away from five separate restaurants, and is barred from using dating apps and websites. We've all had bad first dates in our lives. Sometimes it's because of a lack of attraction or awkward conversations, while other times it's because they end in a disastrous dine and dash. For those of you currently in the dating world, stay strong and vigilant. Because dating is hard enough, even when it doesn't involve a petty criminal. That devil. <laughs> you scared me. You made me jump with your reaction. <laughs> I was making you anticipate it. Do you want to see a photo of this guy? I want to see a, yeah. Okay, because nobody was actually quoted in saying that he was a combination of George Clooney and Sylvester Stallone. That's just what I thought. Here is the picture I was looking for. Look at that man. I could see that. Yeah, he looks like a more Italian kind of George Clooney. I don't know what heritage George Clooney has, but yeah, yeah he definitely looks like a more Italian kind of George Clooney. Yeah, but with like a little pinch of Sylvester Stallone, right? Because mm-hmm. of the jaw. I don't know, but I was like, okay, I can see how women would fall for this because he's very attractive. He obviously is telling them, oh, I'm such a foodie, whatever, like come to this really expensive restaurant with me. But I will also play devil's advocate for a moment. Okay. I really will here. Mm -hmm. And I will say that even if you were the one asked on a date, right? Okay. Yep. I feel as though you should always go in with a mindset of, can I afford this date as well? Mm -hmm. Especially in today's day and age, gender roles are really not what they used to be. And I know sometimes people will say, whoever asks the person to go on the date, whether it be the guy or the girl, that's their responsibility to pay for the date. Mm-hmm. But for me, I feel like, yeah, that's maybe what people's expectations are. But you really can't have expectations, especially when you're meeting with a stranger. Right. Expectations. Not good. Not good. Never a good idea. But also, playing devil's advocate on the other side, if he is really harping on, I want to go to this fancy restaurant, I yeah. want to go to this fancy restaurant, and then he's the one that's ordering the wine. He's the one ordering the four lobster tails and a chicken dish, which is accurate. That's literally <laughs> what happened. And he's ordering a souffle. Mm-hmm. And maybe his date was just ordering a more conservative option of a dish where it's like, okay, I'm just going to order this affordable entree. Then on the other side of things, I don't think that she should have gone in with the mindset of I'm paying for everything. Right. So that's, I think where it's like really shitty. Maybe all these dates did go in with the mindset thinking I'm paying for my own meal, but then he's leaving them with his meal too. Right. I go back and forth, but obviously he's the scumbag because he's obviously. abruptly leaving and like right when it comes to pay for the bill and just ghosting them. And it was happening so often in LA that the media picked up on it and it became this whole story. Yeah, that's the thing. When you do it that often, it's obviously premeditated mm-hmm. and planned mm-hmm. and you don't feel the remorse to stop or change anything about it. Yeah. But what surprises me is that I'm sure there are plenty of people that pull this shit, especially on probably the female side. You know, there's like that joke amongst women where it's just like, oh, I'm really hungry. I just need to go on a first date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although that's a little different if you can kind of just be like, manners, manners, and you're not ditching them. Yeah. But it blows my mind a little bit that somebody actually called the cops because in how many rom-coms do you see where the woman gets stood up with the check mm-hmm. and they're just like, God, I hate dating. And they just right. kind of go on. If it happened to me, I would say the same thing. God, I hate dating. Yeah. To bring the cops into it. Oh, I know. I know. And I actually wondered, okay, how did this get to be a story that mm-hmm. was on the Washington Post? How did this get out there so much? So 
someone, I don't know if all the eight women went to the cops or if just maybe one did or if more people went to the media because I know even CBS was reaching out to these women. And I wanted to know who started this and how and like how did they all find out about each other and how did they find out it was a serial diner and dasher situation? Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't have any firm answers on how it became that way. I just know that somehow the police were involved and somehow the media got involved. And I don't know which came first and I don't know how many of the women did it. But apparently after a bunch of digging and researching, they could find at least eight women that this exact guy who he met people on Plenty of Fish and on Bumble Mm -hmm. that this happened to. And I don't know. I don't know who did it and who found it out and who put the pieces together. But thank you because he gave me the story. Yeah, good on him. (laughs) That's a bad guy. And also, can you believe the hair salon part? Yeah, walking out with the apron on. He left the dye even in his hair. He wasn't even going to let him wash it out. He's like, (laughs) no, I'm going to go home and wash this dye out so I don't have to pay for this. Yeah, I I can't even believe that somebody would do that. Like we talked about with years where the kid got scammed with the lemonade stand. Yeah. I have less remorse for a big company if you want to like, you know, screw the system over for Walmart or something. Mm-hmm. And then if you do a like a small mom and pop shop, that sucks. I think yeah. this is almost on the same level as the kid thing. I mean, the kid you were smashing is like hope for the future and, and being like, welcome to the real world, bitch. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. with this, dating is a very vulnerable situation mm-hmm. and it sucks. Most people who are dating are kind of like, I hate this lifestyle yeah. right now. And so to make those your victims. Yeah. It just really sucks. Oh, I'm dating and I lost my money. And plus, not only that, at least with me when I was in the dating world, a couple like good things. I had like the opposite of red flags. I had like green flags. I was like, (laughs) see a little thing. And I'm like, I'm going to hang on to that. That's really nice to think about. Yeah. And then you get that little bit of hope in you too. Yeah. And you go out and you just get dropped and you have to pay a bunch of money. Yeah. And also it sounds like because he's in his mid forties and it sounds like, I mean, it didn't list the women's ages. I don't think it needed to, but it sounds like they were all women who were established in their life, who they were exchanging photos of their kids with this guy. And they Mm. were like really starting to think about a future of maybe like a blended family or, you know, all Mm. these things. And I mean, at least the woman Marjorie, who I based the story around, because there were interviews with other women, but I found hers to have the most detail in it. With her situation, he specifically was talking to her about his love for like fine cuisine and dining. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like this really weird, intentional, like, I'm going to tell you how fancy I am and how much I love food and then suggest to go to this restaurant and order it so confidently, knowing I'm about to leave this girl with this bill. Mm-hmm. That is like kind of dark. Yeah, I also forgot you said it was a single mom. That makes me even more sad. It does. It does. I love single moms. I love single moms too. They're like seriously like the biggest superheroes in the universe. But yeah, they're so independent just because they have to be. You yeah, know? yeah. I know I was playing devil's advocate at the beginning. Like, yeah, you should go into it with expectation that you're paying for it. But can you imagine if he is talking it up like this? These women aren't thinking I'm going to pay for both of us. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine. I mean, I know I'm a guy, so it makes it a little different in this world. But even though there are good chances of a woman picking up the bill. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine going into a date with the expectation of, God, I hope I don't have to pay. Yeah. I'm Just like you said, don't order what you can't pay. Yeah. You know, kind of like gambling. Don't gamble what you can't afford yeah. to lose. Yeah. But I mean, dating is kind of gambling. So Yeah, people. it's just such a weird thing. I don't know. Don't talk up the fancy restaurant knowing like he's like scheming, thinking about these four lobster tails, you know? Yeah. And he's like, I'll get this bottle of wine. It's just so weird. Mm-hmm. Get me the most expensive bottle. Yeah. So let's get real. I don't think that anyone's life was severely damaged from it. I think no. obviously a lot of our stories that we tell aren't, but 
still, it was just such a weird story that I found. I was like, I gotta tell this one. Yeah, that was good. I can see why you liked that. Yeah, yeah. And I got to kind of poke fun at my husband and I's first date a little bit at the beginning there. Yeah. (laughs) I read him the first paragraph and him and I were both just laughing because I wanted to make it funny kind of, you know, joke like, Oh, I finally got over the fact that he liked spicy hamburgers, you know, and not Mm. the texting his ex-girlfriend on our date. I didn't know spicy hamburgers was a problem for you. (laughs) It's not. I love them. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought it'd be funny for me to be like, oh, I got over that part, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But no, I mean, first dates are just super awkward and you just never know where they're going to lead. I agree. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Well, I have a story for you. Okay. And I actually wrote it just this morning. I'm shelving the one I had on the shelf. I'm, I'm keeping it on the shelf. <laughs> and I'm jumping onto this one because I just feel, I just like it. Okay. <laughs> I, Fair I, enough. I just like it, okay? Let me tell my story. <laughs> you tell it. It is fresh in your mind. So mine is about a certain little drink that uh, I know you've indulged on a few times. And Lord knows I have too. Oh, God. <laughs> So, here we go. Do any of you like to drink wine? Ah, wine is a magical and fun way to spice up an evening. Fermented grapes, aged and bottled, all to give you a great relaxing feeling. It's generally stronger than beer, but our culture has made it seem weaker than beer. I blame the patriarchy for this, but it is interesting to think about. Growing up in the Midwest, I can't even tell you how many times I would drink a mixed drink or wine and have some tough guy with a disgusting can of bread water in his hand judging me for not drinking the same thing as him. Touch this to your lips, pussy boy. It's like beer drinkers want to show off how much flavor they can sacrifice while also expecting to be respected for having a high alcohol tolerance. When in reality, they're just lightweights who drink this shit for the image. I bet I look so cool holding this beer. I'm getting off track. Wine is classy. If a mixed drink is a sports car and a can of beer is a rusted old pickup truck, then wine is a luxury sedan that your 6'5 friend can fit comfortably in. We can indulge in wine on many different occasions. It's a nice drink to unwind after a hard day of work. It goes great with an overpriced meal at an upscale restaurant. And you can also pour it into other containers and drink it inconspicuously in public. I swear to God, it's just the Coke. Hell, you can even drink it in front of children and tell them it's grape juice. Let mommy get her special juice and then we'll hang out. The versatility is simply unmatched. For us in the podcast world, we have made an unspoken partnership with wine. If Gatorade is the official drink of college football, then any wine is the official drink of crime podcasting. Whether we like it or not, we have a large chunk of our audience that loves to fill up their favorite stemware and listen to tales of murder, missing persons, and conspiracy. Of course, that is not what we talk about here. But after a lot of our listeners are tired of getting sad to heavy stories from their favorite true crime podcasts, we know where their wine-stained lips are directing Alexa to take them. That's right. Live, laugh, larceny. And yes, we always go down smooth. Alexa, play something petty. Today, I will be telling you about a man who fits perfectly within the subject matter of my prologue here. And that's not by coincidence. I literally read the news story before I came up with how I was going to start this thing. So pour your glass to the brim so you don't have to get up for a refill in the middle. Don't worry, no one is going to judge you here. Gabriel was a man of very simple tastes. He worked a 9-to-5 job that he hated, competed in a Monday night bowling league, and lived for being in his pajamas by 8pm. His existence was chill, and he liked it that way. Throughout every day, there was one piece of subject matter that Gabriel was always taking in. True crime. During his office job, 
he had a very strict listening regimen. Case file and criminal in the first half, and then he would end his day with more conversational shows like Creeps and Crimes and Sinisterhood. Gabriel was a strong believer in never taking his work home with him, but his listening habits always spilled into his evenings. Even with eight straight hours of true crime content in his cubicle, Gabriel needed more. And the best part of all of this was, he could now drink wine while consuming these shows. Whether it be a quiet night of cleaning his kitchen or laying in the bath with cucumber slices over his eyelids, it was always guaranteed that there would be a glass of wine in his hand and a crime show blaring over his smart speaker. Today, I'm gonna tell you about a murder. Oh, this one will be good. On a random Tuesday in May of 2020, Gabriel decided to change things up a bit. Work had been hectic, and the evening before was a big bowling tournament. He felt it was time to treat himself to a midweek mental health day. Conditions were perfect for him to have a day to remember. He slept in, had a healthy breakfast of wheat toast and sausage, and the rest of the day was set aside for drinking wine and listening to true crime. Everything was going according to plan. He fired up the newest episode of Creeps and Crimes and went to strip down into his underwear for maximum podcast listening comfort. He listened as Taylor said her signature line, if you've got a glass, pour that shit up, as he remembered that he hadn't yet poured that shit up for himself. He quickly paused his smart speaker and made his way to the wine cabinet. As his fingers pressed against the cold decorative knob of his cabinet, he pulled open the door to find something far scarier than anything his favorite podcast would discuss. Gabriel was out of wine. The 39-year-old man hunched down in his kitchen and began to weep as tears dripped down his belly and soaked into his cotton boxers. How am I supposed to enjoy crime without wine? Gabriel wailed to himself. Although wine and crime are just a near rhyme, they sounded too similar to not need to be ingested together. He just made it through the beginning banter segment. The buildup was there. He needed to cross over into the next part, but it couldn't be done without his dry, earthy grape juice. There was no time to waste, not even time to grab pants. Gabriel needed wine in his cup ASAP so he could listen to his true crime. Immediately grabbing his car keys, he ran out of his apartment and into his car. It was early afternoon. Surely one of his local liquor stores was open. Barefoot? Boone's Farm? He didn't care about the brand. He would consider microwaving a grape if he knew it would get the job done. But as Gabriel drove down the highway, another problem reared its ugly head. How am I supposed to pay for this? He said to himself. In his state of emergency, he chose not to put on his pants, the very vessel that carried his wallet. While driving, he rummaged around the glove box to see if he could find some kind of weapon. With no money and no pants, there was no way that Gabriel was going to acquire wine by legal means. Unfortunately for him, he had nothing. What kind of weapon would a 9-to-5 office worker really have on him anyway? His options were to shoplift wine or threaten to moon anyone who doesn't give him wine. Take what you want, just don't show me that butt. However, just as Gabriel was contemplating the mooning method, the clouds parted and the wine gods shined their Chardonnay light onto him. To the left of him passed a Cherokee Freightline semi-truck, pulling a wine tank on the back. God bless wine country, Gabriel said to himself as he began to honk his horn and flag down the driver. Speeding around the truck and turning on its hazards, he was able to get the driver of the truck to pull over. What seems to be the problem? yelled the truck driver. Gabriel instantly jumped out of his car, dug into his trunk, and ran towards the semi. Freaked out at the sight of a man in his underwear emerging from the car, the driver of the truck put it in drive and got back on the highway. Gabriel had to think fast. Before the truck could pick up too much speed, 
he jumped onto the ladder of the tank and began riding on the back. While holding on for dear life, he began turning valves to get the wine to come out of the tank. Tracing the spout down to the underbelly of the tank, Gabriel carefully climbed underneath the trailer to enjoy the red alcoholic beverage. He gulped down as much as he could get into his mouth without using his hands to help, while the remainder leaked directly onto the highway. The man driving the truck had already called the cops at this point, but as he drove on, he began to get an error message on one of his gauges. His tank was losing weight, and fast. The driver pulled back over again, noticing the trail of red behind his truck. As he made his way back around the trailer to inspect the possible leak, he found something he did not expect. There, lying on the pavement, was Gabriel, holding his mouth open and catching as much wine as he could. Flailing his limbs around, almost as if he were making snow angels out of wine, it was clear he was in heaven. It's you, the driver shouted, as he began to crawl into the tank. Drunk on adrenaline and wine, Gabriel slithered out the other side and began running down the road. Police began to receive calls about a man in his underwear running down the street, covered in what seemed to be blood. It took no time for cops to find him, thanks to the trail of red footprints and constant calls giving away his location. When the police did find Gabriel Moreno, a 39-year-old with an insatiable love for wine, he was very cooperative. He was booked into jail on a charge of felony vandalism and misdemeanor driving on a suspended license. The Cherokee Freightlines truck ended up losing around 1,000 pounds of wine, which would equal enough to make 5,000 bottles. Gabriel's story does not stop there, however. As this all happened during the biggest part of the coronavirus, California had a no-bail order. This means that if the crime was small enough, a criminal could be released with a summons to come back and handle the court proceedings later. This was a way to keep people separated and not have so much jail overcrowding. He was released the very next day. Almost immediately after being released from the station, Gabriel ran out to a nearby community service agency and attempted to steal a truck belonging to the landscaping service that was working at the business. One of the landscapers noticed Gabriel and detained him until the police would come back to re-arrest him. In the arrest reports, it is stated that Gabriel was distressed by the early bail and felt that he was owed a sandwich, as it is standard for the public safety center to provide a meal to detainees. The arresting officer said that the attempted truck theft was done in the hopes to get a return visit to jail so that he could enjoy his sandwich. Gabriel got his wish and was booked for felony auto theft. Once again, however, felony auto theft was eligible for the California no bail order, so he was released again the very next day. There were no reports that stated whether he did or did not get his sandwich. Unfortunately, no new articles were published on what the final punishment was for the first or second crime. That is the risk we run when covering crimes of this heinous nature. So if you walk away from this story learning anything, it's that you should always consume wine and crime responsibly. Keep a spare bottle stocked at all times. And for God's sake, don't leave the house without pants. Okay. So, I assume that the true crime thing was made up, right? Right. I don't really know what drove this dude to be so big into wine. But everything else, underwear, flagged the guy, rode the tank, drank straight from the tank, ran away, and then the sandwich thing. I almost thought I would write a second story about that and do a sequel story. Yeah. Then I was like, eh, I don't know if I could stretch that into a full story. You know what? I had the exact same thought with mine with the hair dye story. Oh, really? That is so funny. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. So that's another connection. Sequels that could have been. Yeah. (laughs) But also, both of our guys wanted free wine and free food, for that matter. Yeah, I even talked about the fancy restaurant for wine. Mm -hmm. They want to fine dine, basically, Mm -hmm. but they're committing a crime. Oh, that was a corny rhyme. Oh, my God. Stop (laughs) the madness. Every time. Oh, no. (laughs) 
That was. This is getting out of line. <laughs> Stop it now. Immediately. Oh my God. Oh, wow. Okay, so this dude is just pantless in his car, chasing down a wine tank mm-hmm. and just gulping it down. Like as the tank is being driven on the highway? Yeah, he literally just pulled up beside it and was like, beep, 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 beep. Hey, you got to pull over. And the truck was like, what? And there's actually a video of it. And he pulls up with his hazards on, gets out. He opens up his trunk real quick. So I don't know if he was going to look for a weapon. Like maybe he wanted to steal the truck. And the truck driver was like, what the hell? And Because the guy was literally just in his underwear. And so the truck driver gets back on and he just runs up beside it and gets on one of the little ladders on the side of the tank. And there's a side camera and you can just see him kind of hanging on and fighting with a valve. And then eventually he crouches down and then you kind of just see him disappear a little bit. And that's him getting underneath it to get to the bottom valve. And at that point it's leaking. And by the time he stops, because I guess from what I understood, he was literally trying to drink it straight from the valve while it was running. But then once the truck stopped, he just dropped to the ground underneath it and was like, (gasps) oh my God. And they literally said in the police reports, it was like he was doing snow angels and wine. (laughs) So that wasn't just me because I know I've said the snow angel thing before and like uh, syrup with the sex story. But like this is literally what they used. Yeah, because I really wanted to say something like him being a happy pig and slop or something. Uh But he literally they that's what they use. So I was like, I'll take it. They said it. You have to. So no one knows why he was pantless. Nobody knows why he was under his underwear. And from everything I read. Didn't say he was high on anything. Whoa. And that's the thing that blows my mind, too. I also don't know if he was a nine-to-five worker. That was me just kind of putting a little bit of myself in there to figure out where he was coming from. Yeah, yeah, It helped yeah. make the true crime side thing work. Yeah. But, yeah, he was just a guy in his underwear driving and then just trying to take over a wine truck. Did he have a shirt on? No. Okay, just straight up, just his undies driving. Yeah, just boxers. Just happened to see a wine tank. Mm-hmm. This is like, this story is blowing <laughs> So this took place in Modesto, California, which is about a three-hour drive south from wine country. Okay. So this company, the Cherokee Freight Lines, it's not a huge freight line company, but it seems like they only really deal with wine and wine products and stuff. So they actually will have these huge tanks just full of wine. Now, I don't know if it's common knowledge that everybody knows those tanks are full of wine surely it's got to be in the area because i mean if that's a fuel tanker you're not going to try to drink fuel straight from a tank right like if i was driving and i saw a tank my thought would not be there's wine in there Mm -hmm. i mean i guess unless it's very clearly labeled (laughs) wine (laughs) yeah wine yeah (laughs) but maybe maybe i mean he had to have known somehow but my mind is just blown yeah but it seems like cherokee only does wine and they'll do like sugar stuff so it's all food related. So it's a possibility that he knows that freight line only handles that stuff. Or like you said, maybe it does just say wine. <laughs> but yeah, it's a crazy. Just drink st- me on the thing. It's a crazy story. Ah. It makes me think of the heist in Breaking Bad with the train, except just the shittiest, smallest version of that you could do. Yeah. Just wants to drink the wine. Yeah. Yeah. What in the hell? And clearly this guy was not going to quit. He's like, meh. Okay, don't go to jail today. The fact that you couldn't find that he was on something, like what is with this dude? Yeah, I would think if he was on something, the whole no bail thing, they would have been like, oh, we're going to hold you for a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, they just let him go. And obviously he would have had time to have, even if he was on some sort of drugs, probably sober up. But then just almost Grand Theft Auto is it, immediately runs out the door and is like, go try to steal a car now. Yeah. No waiting. He's like, oh, my damn sandwich. My God. God. I meant to put a joke in there of some sort. It's like when you're drinking, you need a snack. <laughs> but obviously you must. A sandwich or four lobster tails. It has to be one or the mm-hmm. other. Oh, wow. Well, I can totally see why you pushed the story ahead. Very wild. Very weird. More questions than answers at this point. Indeed. Wow. What a fun time, Trevin. Yeah, that was a good time. Fine dining is the connection, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And they were both in California. We both could have turned them into sequels. There's so many weird, weird little tiny things that tie them together. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope that everybody is just having such a great week. And I hope that you also remember that no matter the crime, big or small, in the end, we're all doomed. Doomed and 
staying fancy at those restaurants. Fancy AF. Bye. See ya. Hey, thanks for including us in your nine to five workday schedule. And why don't you follow us on social media and share some of your favorite adult lyrics and teen lyrics that you loved. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or Twitter. Live, laugh, larceny. And if you have ever eaten four lobster tails and then dined and dashed, please send us your petty crime story to livelaughlarceny at gmail.com. And I know we all have social phobias of some sort, but I promise leaving a five-star review is completely anonymous and I can't say anything back to you. Trust me, I've tried it. Give us a five-star review at Apple, Spotify, or Good Pods. I found hers to have the most detail in it. Um, It was like... Oh my god! I just had a fucking like my blood, my brain just like went blank. Oh god, Marjorie's story. Oh my god! It had the most detail. Oh my god, Trevin! I had a really good point. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.